As you're taking your copy of God's Word and opening to Ephesians 6, I want to extend a very warm greeting from Resurrection Presbyterian Church on behalf of the congregation there to all of you here. And to the men, I just want to say that the men's retreat speaker, I can attest, is really good. In fact, he's so good, I'm willing to listen to him every week. So I'm looking forward to being under Pastor Holda's teaching, preaching uh, at the men's retreat. And if at all possible, encourage you to be there for that. We are going to focus in particularly on one verse in this chapter, which is verse 18. But I'd like to read the whole chapter to give its context. So let me pray and ask for the Spirit's work, which is what is eternal, his illumination. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for all of it, that it's from you. God breathed. It is doing that work that we so need and so want that we might be thoroughly equipped for everything that you have for us, for every good work. We truly are your workmanship. And so we ask now that you would give us greater insight to what you, Jesus, gave Paul in Ephesians 6, how you guided him, Holy Spirit, to write down these needed words as we are in a battle each and every day. But it is a battle that... It's a war that's been won by you, Christ. It's a battle that we are enabled by you and by your presence, Spirit, to accomplish. But we need to hear from you. We need to be reminded of the great privilege and the preeminence of perpetual prayer, that we can talk with you at any moment, at any part of any day of our lives. So please, Instruct us now, we ask, in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So reads the word of God. It's only 14 days or so, I think it's 14, that we're into this 2023. And I think it's not too late to consider New Year's resolutions. Anybody have them? Anybody miss them already? I mean, fail already? There is nothing inherently good or bad about making such resolutions Except I might suggest that we should always strive to have our yes be yes and our no be no. I think we need to be careful of that as we might do something like New Year's resolutions. Also, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should always humbly heed James' admonition in James 4.15. That in any and all our plans, we should humbly even every day, month, year, and lifetime, say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So, that being said, I thought I'd take just a moment and share the top 10 New Year's resolutions. Now, you could get a different list depending on where you looked in Google search, okay? But here's what I came up with, and I'm going to start with number 10 and then just quickly go to number 1, okay? See if these match any that you might have secretly made a resolution about. Number 10, read more. Travel more is number nine. Spend more time with family and friends. If applicable, quit smoking. Six, save more money. Spend less money. Those seem to go together, don't they? But I'll just leave it like that. Number five, live life to the fullest. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. Number three, get, it, get organized. That just keeps rolling on year after year for me. Number two, lose weight. Anybody know what number one is? 
It's connected to number two. Get more exercise. That also seems to go together. That is a worthy list. And I intend myself to do number one more this new year and exercise more. And I came up with a little way of doing that as I'm sitting in my recliner at times watching TV, I decided to put the remote in the next room. <laughs> Isn't this a genius plan? So that when I have to get up and change the channel, I exercise more. <laughs> the only thing about that list is that it's earthbound. By that I mean it does not have a resolution that is heavenward that prioritizes the soul. So as Christians, we have God, our number one goal, resolving to spend more time with our Heavenly Father. Now, when I say that, I, that's probably a given for any Christ follower that is progressing in their sanctification. And I do not mean to guilt anyone into more Bible reading or ministry involvement or even church attendance. Though all those are valid uses of our time and energy in 2023, and if they're missing, it's going to affect our soul maturation. And I think it's wise that we heed the writings of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit. Catch that? In the habit. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that can give the context to our spiritual goals, objectives in this coming year. But in our look at Ephesians 6.18, I want to concentrate on prayer. Let me read 618 again. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So may I offer that we resolve by God's grace to exercise the privilege and preeminence of perpetual prayer. And I would like to look at five practical principles from that verse. And before I do that, I want to acknowledge that I am indebted to Gordon J. Ketty from a wonder devo wonderful devotional, Prayers from the Bible, or Prayers of the Bible. And my wife and I, for the last five years, each year go through it. And basically, he goes from Genesis to Revelation, and he looks at prayers from the Bible. And so this is original with him, and I have adopted it, adapted it for our purposes. So number one, pray at all times. By praying at all times, we cannot mean that we talk with God consciously 24-7. It's just not possible in this life. However, this is the encouraging thing, such a day will come when we are in God's presence when we are no longer restricted 
and restrained by time and space, and we will be able to 24-7 speak and hear without any interference from a sin nature. In the New Testament, praying at all times is the difference between praying just one time a year as in the Day of Atonement. I think sometimes we miss the blessing we have as New Testament saints. The actual being in the presence of God, which we are, by the way, this morning in the heavenlies, in the very throne room of God, by faith in Christ, in our worship. Yes, our senses, our five senses say we're here. But in Christ, by faith, we're there. That was not possible in the Old Testament. Once a year, the high priest, after his own sins were sacrificed for, after blood was shed by animals, then he could go in representing the people of God into the Holy of Holies. But when Christ, by his blood, paid for sin for all time, that ended. And when Pentecost happened, the Spirit came so that there is not a nanosecond in our experience in Christ that we cannot have access to God and say, Dad, I need you. I love you. I thank you. Guide me. So, we have access to our Heavenly Father so that we can pray at all times. Number two, pray in the Holy Spirit. In the Spirit. Our second practical principle is that we pray in the Holy Spirit. If you look in your text, Paul uses the word spirit. We know he is referring to the Holy Spirit because how... Paul explicitly writes of the Holy Spirit enabling our prayers in Romans 8. Also in Jude 20, 21, we read, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Jude makes a connection between our praying and our feeling of the love of God. By building ourselves up, and I think particularly, most specifically, at church on Sundays, and by praying in the Holy Spirit, we keep ourselves in the love of God, in that experience of the love of God. And may I say, in that feeling of the love of our Heavenly Father to us through Christ. When we do that, when we pray in the Spirit, I believe it's impossible for any length of time to remain a practical deist for the Christian who prays in the Holy Spirit. There's too much familial connection to be able to do that. One's got to give. Either the praying or the living like God is disconnected. Instead of making waves by externally manufacturing emotions to feel God's love, 
We can pray and, in a sense, paddle out to meet the Holy Spirit who provides a tsunami of God's presence and power, enabling us miraculously to ride the Holy Spirit's praying. I surf his wave and not the other way around. I don't need to create the wave. Paul vividly describes praying in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26 to 30 reads, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All right, just let that sink in. I am sure for most of us in this room, you're very familiar with those words. Possibly have them put to memory. But notice that our comfort is in the character of God and his purposes. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Why? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. With the Holy Spirit, our, prayer, our praying is less is more of a dialogue and less of a monologue. Number three, pray all kinds of prayer. With all prayer and supplication. Our third practical principle is that we pray using all kinds of prayers. Probably the best source of prayers to pray are the Psalms and some of the specific prayers in the Bible. Here's where scripture memory is such a huge help to put some of those to memory. And one that I find I pray almost weekly, and there are times where I pray it daily, and I must say there are times where I pray it several times in the day, is Psalm 23. You know what I'm talking about? Middle of the night, eyes wide open, Mind is suddenly shifted into fifth gear about what you have to do tomorrow, what you forgot to do yesterday. And it just seems like sleep has lost, has just walked away. And it's then that I pray, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down <laughs> in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He restores my soul. That's all on Sunday. That's the Lord's Day. And then he even has Monday in view. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Oh, it's going to be easy this week because I went to church. But what comes right after? Leading me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through a valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Because I got this. Right? Nehu. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Have any enemies? Anyone in here? You do. Every, every one of us. Might not see them. But our chief enemy is Satan. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful to think that we can have fellowship with our Father in the midst of their scheming? You anoint my head with oil. Now for someone like me, that feels even better. It's just that refreshment. That's what Sunday's about. Just letting that oil pour, that refreshment of his presence. And that's what makes it possible at the end of every day for the child of God before their head hits the pillow and at the end of their journey on, in this side of heaven can say, surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. Now that's some good praying. <laughs> Let me encourage you with a new resolution for 23. If you have not, put 23 to memory. Psalm 23 and 23. There's sort of a lingo to that, doesn't it? It just rings. But let me list some possible prayers as well. I would like to give you Several, five exactly, and these do come from Gordon Ketty. And I will give you some scripture references. I'll give them if you care to write them down, and maybe today as a family go back and look over these. Public prayer, number one, Acts 20.36. And when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. That was Acts 20.36. Also write down 1 Kings 8.22-53. That is a beautiful prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. Ezra 9.5-15. I must acknowledge, even after being a pastor in, for 19 years in a non-denominational church, when I came to Apple Valley Presbyterian Church... Man, they pray long in church. And that's a confession on my part. I had to grow up into that. And it's one of the greatest privileges to sit under the pastor, Pastor Hartley, and your elders here as they pray corporately. That is not the time to check out. That's the time to check in. And may I be so bold, not always, but more likely than not, your elders prepare that prayer before they're up here. They're not winging it. 
that you might ask, may I have that? I did that. Could I have your prayer? And then pray it. So it's one of the strengths, the public prayer that happens in this church. It's a hallmark of Orthodox Presbyterian churches. Number two, private prayer in a group setting, Acts 16, 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. So private prayer in a group setting. A lot of times that has historically been Wednesday nights. Um, <clears throat> a lot of churches are not as frequently doing that. But if there is that opportunity, and it doesn't necessarily need to be at the church on Wednesday night, but there is that set time. Number three, secret prayer. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, <clears throat> and your Father who sees in circuit, secret will reward you openly. That was Matthew 6.6, 6, secret prayer. Number four, mental prayer. This is, you could also, mental prayer could be self-talk. It could be that self-prayer. You know what I'm talking about? You're looking at someone and they're going like this, and you're suddenly going with this conversation of prayer in your head. Like, Lord, help me. I have no idea what I should say or if I should say. An example of that is 1 Samuel 1.13. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Nehemiah 2.4. Then the king said to me, what do you request? And Nehemiah is mentally praying. He is praying, so I pray to God of heaven, and I said to the king. Like, there's no time gap there. Next one, number five, occasional prayers. 1 Chronicles 5.20 And the Hagrites were delivered into their hand and all who were there who were with them. For they cried out to God in the battle. He heard their prayer for they put their trust in him. So there we have them. Public prayer. Private prayer in a group setting. Secret prayer. Mental prayer and those occasional prayers. A lot of times the public and private happens in groups at church, especially private ones at the Sunday service. One of the things that I was so encouraged about Apple Valley, and being that I, I'm not here, I'm assuming it, it still happens. It's something that we're attempting to cultivate at Resurrection Presbyterian Church is that after the service, people privately pray. You'll see two people bow their heads and pray about something. Three or four. So in the conversations about what the message impacted you, what you see about your week coming ahead, or what happened in the last week, you, you just say, let's pray. And you'll see people's heads bowed, little circles of praying. It is so refreshing. It is one of the ways that I think Hebrews is saying, encourage one another. What a better way to encourage them. I'll pray for you, but let's do it now. 
And then as the Holy Spirit brings it to mind, I'll continue to do so. Secret prayer should be a part of our daily personal time with God, with the mental and occasional prayers being offered when we bring our praying into more conscious moments as needed throughout our days. All right, let me go to the last two as far as 618. Number four, pray with alertness, persistence, and focus. Keep alert with all perseverance. The fourth practical principle is that we pray by being alert and persistent. We pray with our eyes wide open, spiritually speaking, and with determination. We need to realize that's what our enemy, the devil, does. His eyes are wide open, and he is determinedly pursuing our demise. I don't think it was a passing comment when Peter said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Peter 5.8 with such an enemy, we need to bring our A-game to our prayers. Ketty points out that Scripture frequently associates mental alertness with effectiveness in prayer. He then goes on to give three examples. First one, Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Number two, Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, the prayer, with an attitude of thanksgiving. The praying can assist my attitude of thankfulness. And then number three, 1 Peter 4.7. 1 Peter 4.7. The end of all things is at hand, which began with Christ's coming, his first coming. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit. Why? For the purpose of prayer. You cannot pray in your sleep, Ketty continues. Neither is prayer an afterthought, nor is it to be a desperate shot in the dark. Prayer is meant to be the most thoughtful thing we do in our daily life. It is the medium of the Christian's union and communion with God. Being watchful is essential to living the Christian life successfully. It's not a tag-on. It's the first thing. This spiritual discipline and mental vigilance is emphasized for at least four reasons. Let me give you those four reasons. Why is it that we need to pray astutely, with our eyes wide open, with perseverance? One, we need to be alert to the Holy Spirit. We need to be in step with him. Okay? The Holy Spirit's Fred Astaire. He knows how to dance well. Let us follow his lead. He leads us into the truth of God's word. John 16, 13, prayer in the spirit will be alert to God's word and his promises. Number two, we need to be alert. 
in order simply to be effective in prayer. Number three, we need to be alert to God's concerns, to people's needs, to the state of our own souls, to the condition of the world, and to the advance of God's kingdom. You could almost take that as a checklist of Brother Schmidt's prayer this morning, right? Number four, we need to be alert to keep ourselves from sin. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.10, let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. And as my desire for that increases in my sanctification, prayer is a key part to that. I find that both alertness and perseverance improve as I pray with others. And if at all possible, pray immediately when the occasion arises for prayer, like I just described about after the service or before the service. In fact, yesterday I was at uh, Carmel Crisp in Oshkosh. I go there just because I can walk through the door and it just smells great. Cookies and caffeine, you know, doesn't get better. And I was meeting with a friend from our church. He's 81, does 15 push-ups a day, challenged me to it. I said, okay, give me a couple months. <laughs> and we were sharing scripture and we were talking and I don't know if you've been in Carmel Crisp lately, but they have this great section that's, you know, it's like little rooms. So you have some privacy, but there's others around. And it was pretty full. And we, two or three times, based on what we were reading and sharing, just prayed together, out loud. And it was so delightful. Now, I must admit, it crossed my mind, just like a fleeting thought, who's looking? Who's hearing? But it went fast, okay, like a breath on a cool fall Wisconsin morning. It was gone, and it was delightful. It is such a simple part to that perseverance in praying, to make it a part of our conversations with fellow believers. And might I challenge us that there might be non-believers that you could pray for in the moment. Certainly you ask them. Certainly you consider the circumstances. Certainly you realize they're, they're doing a job, so you do not want to interfere with that. But all that taken into consideration, don't miss the opportunities when you feel that little nudge from the Spirit. Do it now. And then just ask for permission. I have had those occasions, and I'm no spiritual giant. It's just obedience to that prompting, Michael, pray. Really? Now? Yes! And then just simply ask, may I pray with you? And then keep it short, keep it sweet, keep it to the point, and in Jesus' name, and then move on. Last one, pray for all believers, making supplication for all the saints. In our Western culture, postmodern Western culture, where feelings and wants of the individual tend to reign supreme, the words of John Calvin about praying for others is a clarion call to us, the local church. Quote, there is not a moment in our life 
at which our wants ought not to urge us to prayer. But there is another reason for praying without ceasing. That's the necessity of our brethren. It ought to touch us. And when is it when some members of the church are not in distress and needing our assistance? If at any time we are cold in prayer or more negligent than we ought to be or probably want to be, because we do not feel the pressure of immediate necessity ourselves, let us instantly reflect how many of our brethren are worn out by the varied and heavy afflictions, are weighed down by deep anxiety, even though, and I add this, not John Calvin, might hide it well, or are reduced to the worst distress, end quote. For when we pray for our fellow brothers and sisters, we very practically follow the pattern of our high priest, Jesus Christ, acting as fellow priests. Now, we certainly do not assume the role of the one mediator to God that only Christ can be. But we do serve one another by bringing to our one mediator, Jesus Christ, the prayers and the praises of one another. When we pray for others, we concretely put into practice Paul's admonition, I think, in Philippians 2, 3-4, which reads, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And prayer can be such a wonderful catalyst to that end. So there you have it, the five practical reasons from Ephesians 6.18. Let me close with this little story. It was Christmas Day, and it was a broadcast in 1939 with Britain at war. King George VI movingly quoted lines from Minnie Haskins' poem of 1908 titled, God knows. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be to you better than the light and safer than a known way. At the gate of this year, writes Ketty, let us resolve to call upon the name of the Lord together with all who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as a new year lies before us, I thank you for the truth in Psalm 139 that for every person but most affectionately for each of your children every one of them has been written in your book before one of them existed what is that? our days that's today and every day that will follow 
So, Father, we enter into 2023 not in self-confidence, though we have an assurance because you're our Father, but we enter it with expectation, not that our will be done, but that yours. We, en- we enter this new year with the peace that, Father, our sins are forgiven, that we have a righteousness from you by the work of Christ, that we will live because it is your will, that you will give us plans and ideas that we might, in the best of our strength, by your grace, execute them. But we don't need to make them happen. We can let them happen according to your will. So, Father, would you help us as we have many joys and blessings, tears and crosses in your loving providences that are laid out for us, Would you help us to pray more? Would you help us to pray together more? And would we each and every day pray to you the words of Psalm 1914? Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.